Okay, the topic of our Dhamma talk near this evening is Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana, namely mindful contemplation of Dhammas. During the over over the course of the last two three weeks, we have dealt with various aspects connected with the first three establishments of mindfulness, namely mindful contemplation of the body. We have then also dealt with mindfulness of feelings and then briefly touched upon mindfulness of the mind, Satipatthana, Satipatthana. And the fourth and last one remains to be explained. And so I'll start with this today and then go on for a few more days. Now, the term Dhamma Nupasana consists of two parts, namely Anupasana being contemplation, and then Dhamma being can be translated in many different ways. The term Dhamma, according to a Burmese Sapnapadi Myama, and dictionary has like over 30 different meanings. So it could carry the following meanings, but it will always depend on the context. So it could carry the meaning of phenomena or as facts in general or conditions or principles or new categories of dhammas or group a group of fatna teachings or in this context of Dhammanupasana Satipatthana, one could specifically translate it as mental factors and categories. And recent authors on this topic have suggested to leave the term Dhamma simply untranslated, because there's no single uh, word in the English language that certainly would carry um, carry all the different meanings that this word Dhamma possesses in you know, the Pali scriptural language. Now, the Satipatthana Sutta speaks about certainly a mindful contemplation of dhammas and certainly it does specify what certainly is meant what kind of aspects come under this mindful contemplation of dhammas so five things certainly have been mentioned the first one is mindful contemplation of what the hindrances, yes, this is correct. And then the second item is? The, the five aggregates. And then the third one represents the, or it deals with the six sense spheres. And then the next one, number four, deals with the seven awakening or enlightenment factors. And the last one, number five, deals with the four noble truths. Now, we'll 
deal within the next few days or I'll try to cover or speak on a mindful contemplation of the five hindrances and then also to some extent on the aggregates and then briefly on the sense spheres and then again some points will be made about the enlightenment factors. Now, these uh, um, five items that certainly uh, come under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana you know, for a proper contemplation are you know, given in a certain order, and the order makes a lot of sense. So you know, the hindrances being mentioned first, and certainly then uh, the Four Noble Truths certainly, you know, being mentioned or given as the last one. So why does the series start certainly with the five hindrances? Do you have any idea on this? <laughs> That's what you start with. <laughs> yes, any other? Ah, from gross to more refined. Yes, certainly that certainly too we can say. Well, mm, would it be possible to realize the four noble truths without having overcome the hindrances? Not, not possible. That's correct. So, the five hindrances tend to destabilize the mind. So, as long as they are um, alive and kicking, so to speak, yeah, then yeah, they will mm, cause some agitation in the mind and yeah, that then will yeah, make an observation of what is truly happening yeah, very difficult. And yeah, that then will also prevent yeah, the yeah, enlightenment factors from arising and Satna yeah, that then in turn will prevent Satna yeah, uh, the Four Noble Truths Satna yeah, from being realized. Now there is a certain uh, logical sequence or logical sequence to the way these five items are mentioned. So with the mindful contemplation of the hindrances first and then the aggregates and then the six sense spheres, then only the seven enlightenment factors and then finally the contemplation of the four noble truths. So by First, dealing with the hindrances, we have an, an opportunity to face them squarely and then to overcome them, not necessarily on a permanent basis, except for later on the skeptical down, but at least on a temporary basis. So then, with the hindrances, somewhat under control or suppressed, with this, some amount of mental stability will be there as well as physical stability. And that then prepares the ground for an analysis of the subjective personality in terms of the five aggregates. So, 
to take a closer look at what we call a self or a being, an individual, and to look at this from a point of view of the five aggregates. Now, this second contemplation here is helpful, will refine the mind further, but it's still not enough and other steps certainly need to be explored. And so next the retreat and certainly then will have an opportunity on occasion to explore the relationship between the five aggregates and certainly the external world, the outer world. And so to become very clear about this, once this much has been achieved, then the enlightenment factors or awakening factors can uh, or will uh, unf- will come to prominence, and suddenly then will arise one by uh, one, and suddenly then once all of uh, all seven of them are you know, present, then you know, they you know, need to uh, well they need to be strengthened and also need to be well balanced. Now, um, once all of this work has been done, then, and a number of other conditions are in place, then the realization of the Four Noble Truths becomes a possibility through the attainment of the path of the stream, noble path of stream entry. Now, when it comes to a contemplation of the five hindrances, you know, the Buddha, as part of you know, the contemplation of Fatna Dhammas, you know, the Buddha gives you know, the following um, instructions. Namely, he you know, says, if sensual desire, which is the first hindrance, is present in a retreatant, then the retreatant knows there is sensual desire in me. When there is, or or if there's no, if sensual desire is not present, one knows that sensual desire is not present. So what we have here is very simple, presence and absence condition of fitness essential desire. Now, the instructions go further. And one knows how unarisen essential desire can arise. One further knows how arisen essential desire can be removed. So that's uh, um, the next instruction, and then the last one is, and how a future rising of the removed sensual desire can be prevented. So, in all, we have five instructions for the hindrance of sense desire, and the instructions for the remaining hindrances are. Um, patterned along the same framework. 
and satnya so again presence absence condition and satnya then um, knowing the reasons that lead to the you know, you know, to the arising of unreason hindrance x y z and so on now In terms of the you know, last you know, three, if you know, a hindrance is arising, then one knows the conditions that lead you know, to its arising. So conditions or causes, factors that are contributing to its arising. Now, if a hindrance is present, and so owing to an absence of mindfulness, then one knows the conditions that lead to the removal of that particular hindrance. Now, if a certain hindrance has been temporarily removed, then one knows the conditions that prevent a future rising of that certain same uh, hindrance. Now, one might wonder why the Buddha is suggesting or suggesting to you know, pay attention to you know, this presence and absence, certain condition of you know, the hindrances. Well, simply to be aware that a certain hindrance is there that is already half of uh, half, if not more, of you know, the solution, but. If you are not aware that a certain hindrance is there, then the hindrance can go on undetected and it can go on destabilizing the mind and the body for quite some time. Now, there are hindrances like, for instance, skeptical doubt that at first are not that easy to detect. So, if one happens to be of a personality in which skeptical doubt is a common feature and one is skeptical about almost everything, then it seems like the most normal thing to be skeptical about certain phenomena inside and outside. And now this one doesn't necessarily see it as a hindrance. And with this, certainly then the skeptical doubt can go on for a long period of time. Now, as we discussed earlier on, the presence of one hindrance or several hindrances then will have an impact on our practice altogether. And Satna will then make the further contemplations, namely of the five aggregates, of the six saint spheres, of the seven enlightenment factors, and finally the realization of the four noble truths, really difficult, if not impossible.
Another case certainly would be mm, a subtle form of a subtle lingering form of uh, uh, mental dullness. It feels quite okay and certainly one doesn't certainly see anything wrong with the mind not certainly being energetic, not being active, and certainly one just tolerates certainly the situation as it is. And certainly that then, again, would be a case of a hindrance being present but going undetected. And that in turn might certainly then invite uh, even stronger sloth and certainly torpor. Now, oftentimes what happens is that in the presence of one hindrance, another one is likely to arise. To give you an example, when there is certainly some aversion, some anger towards some external or internal phenomenon, then this certain aversion oftentimes goes along with a certain degree of restlessness. And then if one is not certainly careful, being redness or aversion is there, restlessness is there, the practice is not working properly anymore, and then another hindrance is likely to present itself, namely skeptical doubt, there you go. So one doesn't have clear-cut experiences anymore, and certainly with this, uh, the doubting starts. And now, awareness of the absence of hindrances, Venerable Analayo in his book, Kutna Satipatthana, explains, uh, has um, an important, or plays an important role, namely to then sensitize the mind for, or our attention for, the arising of a whole sequence of other mental factors, and many of those are wholesome factors. So, to be aware of and to know that the hindrances are absent, then will lead on to gladness because you know, there are you know, the hindrances are no longer there pains and aches in the body also tend to be gone and so you know, then there's every reason for gladness to arise now that gladness gladness pamoja in the pani scriptural language is then likely to lead on you know, to the arising of joy, beauty. That joy at first might be a bit coarse, later on it becomes more refined. That suddenly then prepares suddenly the ground for the arising of stillness, oftentimes first of the body, then of the mind. And suddenly this then in turn prepares the ground for the arising of happiness, sukha, which suddenly then is the foundation of 
for approximate cost for the arising of concentration and based on concentration, then intuitive wisdom can arise. So, if you are aware of the absence of the hindrances, then this will be even a good, a good clue you know, to start you know, watching for uh, you know, the arising of mostly or a number of wholesome you know, mental states. Now, in the absence of you know, the hindrances, the mind certainly will be quite certainly quite clear. Now, those certain five certain hindrances can be traced back to the five roots of all unwholesomeness, namely the root of greed, loba, mula, the root of ill will, anger, dosa, mula, and certainly the root of delusion, moha, mula, in the Pali scriptural language. So there's nothing wholesome that goes along with those certain hindrances. Now, what they do is they clearly hinder the proper functioning of the mind. And so each hindrance in its own way will make a proper contemplation of certain prominent objects certain difficult. So in the case of the hindrance of sensual desire, this tends to color our perception. So we see certain objects in a, uh, in a rather delightful manner, when in fact they might not be all that certainly delightful. Then the hindrance of ill will, of anger, nivarana, then uh, well, tends to tends to bring heat into the mind as well as certainly into the body. When it comes to the hindrance of fatness, sloth and torpor, well, that certainly then will kind of suppress activity and bring about lethargy. And certainly then results in stagnation. With the hindrance of certain restlessness and certain remorse, one then gets certain thrown, sometimes literally, from one end certain to the other. And certain the hindrance of skeptical doubt tends to obscure our experiences. So you've got these five layers of difficulties of obstructions to our proper observation and knowledge of what is actually happening. And under the influences of the hindrances 
one, the Buddha says that one no longer sees one's own good, nor that of others, nor that of both. Or one can no longer gain concentration nor insight. Intuitive wisdom. The hindrances, just to add this, they occur both in mindfulness practice as well as in samatha meditation. And they're equally destructive in both forms of meditation. Now, in the course of intensive mindfulness meditation, we will be facing the, or we will be dealing with the hindrances on several occasions, and rather than ignoring them, running away from them, we might as well face them. Face them squarely and suddenly boldly, and if this certain work gets properly done, then it will be beneficial not only for our meditation practice but also for life in general, because these hindrances tend to arise in um, even outside of intensive retreats. Now, the Pali texts clearly say that the hindrances prevent wholesome states from arising. They block the development of intuitive wisdom. They cover up wisdom. And they are a clear obstruction. They're also you know, said to cloud you know, our uh, eye of uh, wisdom and uh, to prevent uh, the realization of uh, the happiness of uh, Nibbana. Now, there are you know, several passages in you know, the text that uh, refer you know, to you know, the hindrances as defilements of the mind, chetaso upakilise in the Pani scriptural language, and they weaken intuitive wisdom in Pani. This is given as pan, panyaya, panyaya dubali karane. So, really, they are not certain to our advantage. Now, we'll go and briefly explore what these Satipatthana instructions with regard to the hindrances mean in terms of the hindrance of sensual pleasure and then also in terms of the hindrance of ill will or anger. 
Now, sensuous satna desire, karma, chanda, nivarana may come up in many different ways. Most basically, it comes up, up as desiring, wishing for, longing, longing for yeah, desirable, desirable, pleasant, pleasing, you know, visible you know, forms or sights and then you know, desiring various various desire yeah, desiring the place and certain sounds and then Mm, you know, desiring you know, pleasant uh, uh, smells and certainly then also wishing you know, for you know, desirable you know, gustatory experiences or tastes and certainly then mm, uh, wishing for you know, desirable um, tactile experiences and finally also you know, wishing you know, to have desirable mental uh, events taking place. Now, in the course of our you know, human you know, existence, you know, this certain sense desire will come up many times in you know, many different you know, forms you know, with regard you know, to a great variety of you know, objects. And it's important to you know, recognize whenever essential desire has certain you know, arisen. Now, this Kama Chanda Nivarana, the hindrance of sense desire can be traced back or, or, and, or is identical with the mental factor of greed. And its certain classical you know, definition is as having the characteristic of grasping an object and certainly then its function is you know, the sticking. So the mind is sticking to the object and it's certain and it is certainly manifested as you know, not giving up that certain desirable object. And its proximate cause is seeing enjoyment in what is truly not leading to enjoyment, but rather what leads to bondage. Now, so when we apply the first Satipatthana instruction, then it means when the hindrance of sense desire has arisen, is present, then we are aware, we know that it is present. And when the hindrance of sense desire is not present, we also know, observe it, know that it is not present. And that when it's not present, then you know, we might certainly then um, keep an eye on you know, whether you know, some other wholesome mental states uh, are uh, arising or not. Now, the third instruction with regard to you know, the, you know, the hindrance of fitness and desire is. If it is arising, one knows the conditions that lead to the arising of fitness and desire.
Now, the Samyutta Nikaya, in its 46th Satna collection, then uh, explains Satna this as follows. Namely, it speaks of nourishment of sensual desire. It says, there are beautiful objects frequently giving unwise attention to them. This is the nourishment for the arising of sensual desire that has not arisen. And the nourishment for the increase and strengthening of sensual desire that has already arisen. So, uh, in the course of a day, we might certainly come across desirable, visible, auditory, and so on, you know, objects many times. And certainly, so if we just keep uh, uh, looking at them, paying, uh, being aware of them without any restrictions whatsoever, you know, then, uh, well, you know, that sense desire uh, will you know, for sure uh, arise. And the arisenness and desire will increase and certainly be strengthened. And now, if one keeps thinking sensual thoughts, then this will not go without results. And certainly those essential thoughts will then leave a trace in the mark, will leave a trace in the mind, and this might then gradually, if it keeps certainly happening, become stronger and then turn into a habit. And certainly that then it may turn into a certain mental inclination. So if we keep thinking of having maybe uh, a burger every every day, no, not a good example. <laughs> then we will surely, we will surely go after a burger or see to it that we will have our burger once a day. And suddenly, so we think about it again and again, and suddenly, then the momentum will become so strong in the mind that we can't help leaving the house and going to one of these fast food places and suddenly then pick up uh, a burger. Now, There's other reasons that contribute to the arising of so far unarisen essential desire. Namely, very objective, relatively objectively, the presence of a desirable object, a desirable, beautiful, enticing object. Now, this obviously is certain. Uh, not to be understood in absolute terms. 
what seems desirable to one person may not necessarily be desirable to another person. But nonetheless, for or each and every one will have certain objects that he or she sees as desirable or has feels a certain attraction to. So this then, in the presence of such a desirable object, then easily you know, sense the hindrance of sense desire can arise. And so on top of this, if already by frequently thinking about a certain you know, thing over and over and over again, so you know, about having a burger, then this will bring about a certain inclination towards suddenly eating eating burgers. It will bring about an inclination towards certain sensuality uh, that is then embedded within one's own mind and will contribute to the arising of the hindrance of fitness sense desire. Now, the Samyutant Nikaya in its second volume speaks of when one gratifies such a reason essential desire then the essential desire with this the overall essential desire will increase or decrease increase voila and suddenness of things suddenly then actually get suddenly even worse Now, the the next uh, instruction is certainly uh, that of uh, uh, knowing the conditions that lead uh, to the removal of a hindrance when it is certainly uh, present. Now, first and certainly uh, foremost, uh, there is certain uh, mindfulness. So to be right away to be aware yeah, that uh, be, to be aware of the seeing process as it is happening, or the hearing process, or you know, the smelling process, and each of you know, those processes you know, then you know, deals with you know, some desirable object. So you know, already to pay attention to you know, this, if nonetheless some. Uh, a sense desire does arise, then immediately you know, to be mindful of this and to know, you know that the hindrance of sense desire has arisen. Now, there are other ways of fitness dealing with the hindrance of fitness sense desire, and one would be sense restraint. So one simply doesn't look around, one simply doesn't take much interest in external sounds and the like. So not restraining the senses, then obviously. You know, the uh, hindrance of senses are cannot suddenly arise.
No, there's a passage in you know, the 35th collection of the Samyutta Nikaya, discourse number 127, where the question gets posed, how do young monks deal with the opposite sex? How do they deal when they see or see or encounter a woman? And then the first answer given is, well, by regarding a person of the opposite sex as one's mother or as one's sister or even daughter. However, this approach is certainly then discarded as not being really effective in all cases. And then sense restraint is given as a much more appropriate form of cutting back on sense desire. So what applies certain to the monastics, the maleness of the monks, then also applies certain to the nuns and women in general. So when a woman encounters a person of the opposite sex, a person of attraction or the same sex, then simply to restrain one's senses. Now, there's still other you know, ways of you know, dealing you know, with you know, essential you know, desires. One could, for instance, contemplate on you know, the impurity of an object that certainly you know, might certainly you know, help. In terms of food, we might want to practice moderation in eating. Now, in terms of the last instruction given in the Satipatthana Sutta with regard to the hindrance of fitness and desire, well, if a hindrance has been, if the hindrance has been removed, then to know the conditions that lead or that prevent a future arising of that same hindrance. And so temporarily one abandons a hindrance, but it still can come back under certain circumstances, especially when mindfulness is not certain continuous and not certain strong. And so the ultimate prevention of the future rising of sense desire then happens through what? What's that? Mindfulness. With this you can keep your the hindrance somewhat under control, so there's a temporary abandoning. Uh, Wisdom, yes. Okay, and uh, even more specifically, well, what's that? Neutrality, so equanimity. Mm, These are, uh, well, all good, certainly, all good, but the ultimate thing is obviously the eradication of the mental factor of sense desire or greed from the stream of consciousness, and certainly this then happens through. 
not quite. No, no, no. Yeah, this, the standard is not set that high. There you go. So the attainment of uh, um, anagami magga, so becoming a non-returner. And certainly with this, then at least the sensual desire will be removed, will be eradicated from the stream of consciousness once and certainly forever. And then you don't have to deal with it anymore in the future. Now, briefly, let us see how these five instructions work in the case of the hindrance of ill will or hatred. Now, as a retreatant, we might certainly experience hatred in a very direct manner. We might sit in the in meditation and certainly then in our mind, we remember some other person, a person with whom we're not really on good terms, and certainly then in the mind, we start quarreling with that certain person. Uh, so that certainly would certainly be an early case of the arising of hatred. Or in the walking meditation, we um, cross paths with another person. That other person is not really uh, one of our uh, great certain friends. And certainly so, yeah, then we might certainly find yeah, that uh, we keep put quite some distance to yeah, this certain other person. So that's just the outcome of an underlying dislike. And so then in the meditation practice, it, at times, it might also happen that uh, for one reason or another, the mind starts you know, finding faults with uh, the fellow retreatants. Previously, all the other yogis were quite okay, quite okay and certainly seen as uh, you know, trying you know, very hard in the practice. And now, all of a sudden, you know, there's this fault-finding going on. And certainly this certainly then might certainly also, in the absence of mindfulness and certainly in the absence of wisdom, be seen as a form of ill will. Or one might be literally getting angry with one certain teacher or others. Or, if things get worse than this, one might start quarreling with the fellow retreatants over a light that should be either switched on or switched off, and windows that should be kept open or closed. Or, we might get pretty upset about a fellow retreatant who walks just in front of us down the hallway and uh, there's still a long way to go and this fellow yogi is walking at snail's pace. Now, the classical definition of ill will, and this is always good to know, is given as having the characteristic of ferocity or savageness. 
and certainly so with this ferocity and, and this is being compared you know, to a provoked certainness snake now uh, in terms of you know, the function of anger, you know, this is certainly given as twofold, namely, one, you know, the spreading in the mind, you know, so you know, to spread like a drop of poison easily spreads, and the second function is certainly given as the burning up of its own support, namely, you know, the body and certainly the mind. So the arising of anger doesn't is really not to our advantage it brings certain tremendous pain to the body it also brings certain tremendous certain pain to the mind it is manifested as persecuting so wanting to go after another person and certainly then a ground certainly for annoyance agata what to in the pani scriptural language is certainly the proximate cause for the arising of the um, hindrance of hatred. Now, when we go by the instructions from the Satipatthana Sutta with regard to the hindrances, the first instruction is simply to be aware and to know the presence of the hindrance of hatred. So when it's present, simply to recognize this. And not just to recognize a really coarse form, coarse and violent form of hatred, but also to pay more and more attention to more subtle forms of ill will or hatred. Then, in the absence of this particular hindrance, then simply to be aware of this and know that the hindrance of ill will is absent, is not present in one stream of consciousness. And that then can be taken as an indicator for possibly the arising of some wholesome, a particular wholesome mental state, naming kindness, Kindness, loving-kindness, no, loving-kindness is likely in the presence of anger, at least you know, loving-kindness metta has uh, you know, an opportunity to arise. There's some uh, likelihood uh, there, maybe not always, but at times. And so, uh, so in terms of the you know, third instruction given in the Satipatthana Sutta, if the hindrance of ill will is arising, then to know the conditions that lead to its arising. It's along the line of what was certainly said earlier on with regard to the hindrance of sense desire. One should be very careful with unwise attention. So, frequently giving unwise attention to ill will, this is the nourishment of the arising of ill will. 
that has not yet certainly arisen, and if it's if it has arisen already, then it will strengthen it and uh, or increase it, and certainly then even strengthen it. So, what does it mean giving unwise attention you know, to um, any object you know, that causes certain you know, uh, aversion? When one is not mindful, then one simply takes it to be normal you know, for ill will or anger you know, to arise. So one doesn't see any flaw, any fault in this. And this will nourish, it will increase and strengthen our ill will and will make things worse. Now, once the hindrance of ill will has arisen, owing to a lack of mindfulness or whatever reason, then we need to know the conditions that lead to its removal. And the first condition, first and foremost, is, as usual, mindfulness itself. Apart from this, one could learn how to do loving-kindness meditation and then further actually cult, actually engage in metta you know, meditation, metta bhavana, and then strengthen one's loving-kindness. Now, why certain consideration might certain also help? So one is aware that giving attention to certain objects that will easily lead to the arising of aversion, that this certainly doesn't help, and certainly so then one stops certainly paying attention to them. Now. Obviously, there's certain also uh, reflections that certain might certainly help other ways of overcoming this particular hindrance. Now, in terms of certain, the very last instruction with regard to the hindrance of certain ill will, it is if certain, the hindrance of ill will has been temporarily abandoned, then to know the conditions that prevent a future arising. And what this refers to is simply the attainment of the noble path of non-return, anagami, maga, in the Pandita scriptural language. With that particular attainment, then a mental factor of ill will, of hatred, will get totally uprooted from the stream of consciousness, and then it will not give you trouble anymore. So the absence of the hindrances will bring about wholesome, mostly wholesome mental states like gladness, calmness, clarity of mind, which comes from faith, and then also the arising of intuitive wisdom. Now, 
By overcoming the hindrances, we will strengthen you know, the mind, and you know, in particular, uh, our effort will you know, improve, our mindfulness you know, will become more sustained and certainly stronger, and the same thing uh, will you know, go for you know, concentration and based on you know, these intuitive you know, wisdom then can unfold. Now, this brings us to the end of today's talk. Allow me to conclude you know, by you know, wishing, by um, engaging in, a, in the mindful contemplation of Dhamma Nupasana and in particular near the aggregate near the uh, near the five hindrances whenever near they arise may you quickly overcome the certain destabilizing near forces and uh, having done so it may gradually you know, the uh, the ground be prepared for the arising of the you know, seven awakening factors and certainly then eventually may this lead to you know, the realization of the Dhamma and with this you know, will come a deep and very direct understanding of the Four Noble Truths. And may this happen during this very retreat here. And this is it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.